1: Of Minnesota Sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and Scorenorth.com. That's right. Well, we're not Mackie and Judd. It's Mackie and Kyle is what it is. Kyle Taige from uh Ka- for- formerly from Canis Hoopas. And now you are jumping more into the podcast world. I'm Phil Mackey from the Mackey and Judd Show and Purple Daily, and uh, both of us can say we've made it through the David Kahn and Tom Thibodeau (laughs) era of Timberwolves basketball, and we've lived to tell about it. Kyle, and this is Flagrant Howls, a Minnesota Timberwolves, let's call it lifestyle podcast that we are launching today. David Kahn, uh, he's
2: one of our neighbors. He lives out here in Portland now. He's like best friends with the current mayor of Portland. He's like Everything he did in Minnesota was weird. And then he just moved out to the West Coast and continued to be weird. So I, I hope to run into him one day. But
1: wasn't he? Was he running or GMing a French pro league team at one point, too?
2: Yeah, I think for a little bit. But like, he like lives by this biscuit spot I go to. It's just like the weirdest thing. He just he, he's pretty popular out here. Like he has a lot of friends and high ranking positions. So I don't know how he keeps finessing his way into power. But uh, yeah, maybe Good we'll have him guy. on one day. <laughs> Good we, for him.
1: It would be. I don't. I think the problem with him, is, well, there's multiple problems right. with, with yeah, so. his career, but I don't think he's very, like, uh, self-deprecating, you know? Like, like I don't know that he would come on and kind of joke about the 2009 draft and, <laughs> and, and say, yeah, you know, wow, in retrospect, I think he's he's a little bit self-important, which might have been his ultimate downfall. Oh,
2: Yeah, I think he would still argue the Wes Johnson pick made sense, uh, and that's probably a non-starter for
1: us, so. <laughs> <laughs> so this is going to be we initially we, we've been wanting to launch some sort of a, a timberwolves podcast on score north for and we used to have raised by wolves on 1500 espn and uh, and the the first year year and a half of score north and uh danny cunningham manny hill uh dane moore who you're going to do some more work with this year we're part of that but in the two years since the last episode of raised by wolves i think there was an hbo show that went two seasons that sort of hijacked yeah. all the google searches and then the timberwolves <laughs> Stole it for a marketing slogan or like, all right, uh, let's let's so you, you'll be able to find these episodes on that podcast feed and Mackie and Judd and the Scornoth YouTube channel. But uh, you came to the table with just a much more updated and better name in flagrant howls. And so that's what this is going forward. And uh, we got free agency and trade season upon us and on the horizon. So we're going to get into all sorts of Wolves related things here throughout this first episode. But um, I figure since this is the first time you and I have done a show together, uh, it's, probably, you know, it's possible that your following is being introduced to me for the first time and vice versa, that we start off a little game of get to know Kyle and Phil. Just a couple questions to, to get to know our background when it comes to the Timberwolves and the NBA. And uh, I'd love to start you with this one. In your life watching Timberwolves basketball, which player did you get the most irrationally overattached to that didn't actually pan out to the degree that you were attached,
2: if that makes sense. Oh, that's a good one. Already on the spot. I mean, so Garnett, so I'm from North Dakota, born and raised. Um, so we adopt all the, all the Minnesota teams, right? Vikings, Twins, Timberwolves. So Garnett got me through, um, and then there was that really low point after the Garnett trade. So I think it goes back to, like, my answer would be Ricky Rubio um, mm. because – he still had a solid career and then he went off and he's had a long career, but like those early 17-year-old Rubio days when he was playing against like the Olympic team or like just all the drum. I mean, I remember when he showed up at the airport and there was like a thousand people there waiting for him. So probably him. He also kind of like I my basketball pickup skills are kind of like him. I like to pass, I like to have long arms, I can't shoot at all. But um, so I think probably Rubio, like he kind of got me through that weird phase. Um, and he was just also like someone cool to follow at the time when I was just simply a fan. So I think it'd probably be Rubio. No. Um, I also really believe I still believe in Derek Williams. OK, that's that's mine. Old. That's okay, mine. You take it. Go go with Derek Williams.
1: Well, I, so first of all, he he looks the part and he jump He still, jumps, yeah. jumps out of the arena. Yep. And I, th- I think we're, we're and there was no real consent. That was a, a really weird draft. And it, it wasn't like he wasn't like a sure bet at number two but just athleticism uh, his shot looked good even though his shot didn't fall and i think where i started to to realize like maybe even a half year into his rookie year was okay maybe he doesn't have it he missed so many dunks and layups you know, you know it was it was sort of the, the lob city timberwolves and ricky rubio would <laughs> would, would throw just a perfect lob pass on a fast break and Derek Williams would once once or twice a game it felt like would miss a dunk off the back iron and then kind of like oh put his head back like, right if you can't make your dunks I don't know if you're gonna well, you're he, gonna pan out I think he was he's we talk about this like in football too but he's one of those guys that
2: probably just got drafted like or came around a, like a decade too early like he was like 6'8 245 if he could have just figured out some semblance of a shot he's like exactly what every team wants right like a a two-way guy. I mean, he could dribble a little bit. So I feel like if he would have came out in the 2021 draft, he would have gone, like, top three. I mean, I know he went second overall, but like you said, that was a weird draft. So I know he's doing this thing overseas. He's only 31. Um, maybe he's, like, a minimum contract guy that Tim Connolly brings in. Wow. At the wow. Bank. I
1: don't know. Amazing. It is speculation season. <laughs> <You dare laughs> it is,
2: it's reckless.
1: I've actually, I've seen um, uh, Amir Coffey's name floated too, as as a guy that could get a contract in may. I don't know that he now that now that um uh Torian Prince is back yesterday. I don't know that there's a space for. But, you know, as a mid-level exception guy, just throwing out random wing players. I saw that floated yesterday.
2: Yeah, he and like he had a really good year with the Clippers. So, I mean, he he's an impressive guy. He'll probably be one of those guys that signs later in July right as the other bigger dominoes fall, but um he probably could be in for a nice little pay raise mm-hmm.
1: uh next month. Okay, uh, get to know him question number 2 here. When is the first time the Timberwolves made you mad? I mean, probably sometime in when I was
2: like one or two, right? Because like they haven't done a lot of things to make us happy. Um, again, going back to the Rubio thing, I was in the house that night when they played the Lakers. And I was like, had like, I would call them like 30-yard line seats. Uh, and I just remember specifically, like there's so much hope. Kobe was in the building. Uh, and I just remember the play where Rubio kind of bangs knees. And that was still pre-Twitter a little bit um but you just knew then that like oh i might follow a team that's cursed <laughs> like i might just like my team mm-hmm. might just never make it work so um that was probably the first major one um and then also too, like anything that david khan did i was not in as plugged into the wolves at the time but like i hated everything that had to do with kurt rambis so when they brought him along um that was another one of those moments it's like what like or do the bucks have an extra spot on like the fan base um but I stuck around. But yeah, I mean, there's lots of, there's very few things that have made me happy. Um, but I think that all washed away with when they drafted Ant. So um, all that scar tissue is gone now because Anthony Edwards is here. What was think like of, your first uh, memorable moment of mine?
1: Go well, it. my the, the first time they made me mad goes goes back further, and I will get to that. But did you what 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 was the first year you started really following? Was it was it closer to the Rubio Love era or was it KG era? Yeah, so I was. I went to
2: all the uh, Western Conference finals games when they played the Lakers that one year. Um, shout out to my dad. So I was still following them, but like I didn't really start really, really. I guess I match following with covering. I moved out to Oregon like seven years ago, and that's when I started writing at Canis. Um, and that's when social media builds up and podcasts. So um, probably within the last 10 years is when I was like a daily guy. But yeah, I mean, I remember those KG years. I remember this, you know, that run they had, and that's what really hooked me was being in the building for that and being like, can we ever get that feeling back in our lives?
1: And you, so, so go back like basically 20 years back to yeah, like, 2002. Yeah, yeah. You, yep. You've basically admitted that it's been 20 years of almost all scar tissue and making you upset or, uh, or otherwise not happy. That's yeah, pretty amazing.
2: Yeah. That's what my wife says a lot too. So, um, yeah, like she's just like, why Why are you still doing this? But again, I go back to uh, I'm not really an outdoorsy person per se, but like I watch a I watch a lot of TikTok and there's always like rock climbing TikTok. Um, and f- from my understanding, you like climb up the side of a mountain and like you put these clips in um, and like Anthony Edwards is like the clip, right? Like once you put the clip and you can't fall any further, like that's your new floor. So I feel like Anthony Edwards, when he was brought in a couple of years ago, like he's erased Nothing bad has happened since Anthony Edwards has been here other than, like, Gerson Rosas. Um, so he's, like, my clip in the wall climbing. Like, we can't ever fall too low again. We'll never fall into a Joe Smith situation. We'll never fall into, like, any of those horrid draft mistakes just because I feel like Anthony Edwards is too good and too uplifting to and let any of that happen.
1: Yeah, and even, like, Gerson wound up being maybe a, a bad thing, but thanks for putting together a playoff roster and then getting fired. You know, like, like at least he... At least he put together a good roster, and then and then the bad thing happened. Uh, for me, the answer is the 1998 playoffs. So I was oh. uh, my first ever Wolves yeah. memories were going to games during the Christian Laettner era. I was born in 1985, <laughs> and so I went to some early 90s like Laettner, Pooh Richardson, that era of of Timberwolves basketball. And um, and 1998 was the second year that the KG Marbury team made the playoffs, and and for the first. Two or three years of KG and Marbury was mostly just, wow, this is amazing. They, they beat the Bulls. They, you know, right. They're winning <laughs> games. They beat the Suns for the first time in 29 games and they're doing all these things. It, it's just, it's pure happiness because they're doing these things that they've never done before. But then the second year of playoffs, they take a 2 1 series lead over the Sonics, the Sean Kemp and Detlef Schrempf Sonics. And I remember as a, I think I was 13 years old, 12 or 13 years old, I remember like actually having expectations. For the first time as a Timberwolves fan. Oh, they're up two games to one. They've got Kevin Garnett and Stefan Marbury. They're supposed to be the next John Stockton and Carl Malone. Like they're gonna close out this series and move on to the next round. And then they got beat at home in game four, which yep. made me mad and sad. And then in game five, they uh Anthony Peeler went off for like twenty eight or twenty nine points and hit five or six threes. It was it was this amazing game for Peeler. And Stefan Marbury and Kevin Garnett combined for five made shots and shot like 20% from the field and just completely soiled themselves in this game five. <laughs> and I remember being mad at the Timberwolves for the first time after they lost games four and five. Like, why? Why are you, how you know, how can you not show up in a game five? And then, of course, it took them, what, six more years, five or six more years to actually win a playoff series, and then that was short-lived. And so, yeah, it's largely been 20 or 30 years of, Misery, But I think that's what makes Wolves fans awesome is that they've 100%. just stuck around through all of this BS. And now maybe everyone's being rewarded with the Anthony Edwards and and Carl Anthony Towns era here for the next five to ten.
2: Yeah, and I this is probably for another – this is for a podcast in like September when we're thirsty. But uh I also just enjoy being born in the Midwest, now living out on the West Coast and interacting with people that maybe were born in another area. Um, And that kind of translates into like Timberwolves fandom. Um, I'm biased, but I also think they are like the best fans in the NBA because we don't like we have self-awareness. And I think self-awareness in 2022 is like the greatest skill you can have. So like we're not um, like if you you know, we're big fans of Wolves Twitter. Um, We're like make jokes, but we totally understand being able to take being made fun of. Mm -hmm. and Not a lot of fan bases can do that. So, yeah, like. What are you going to make fun of us? I saw all the Curry stuff, all the draft stuff these last couple of weeks. It doesn't even sting anymore. Like, yeah, that's fine. But it all led to Ant. Like, we're fine. So um, Wolves fans are really good. And I think they're going to like this pod because I think, like I said, you and I are just two kind of lunatic Wolves fans um, who like to talk about
1: Minnesota sports. I may have called Carl Anthony Towns a clown about 16 times after game three on our post game show. <laughs> so I do get a little over emotional sometimes. So I think I think the, have you ever seen the movie Eight Mile Eminem? uh yeah yeah okay that, that's what it. that's what wolves fans are they are the like we are eminem oh, in the good. last battle i know everything you have to say against yep. me throw yep. the microphone
2: oh shit i think you that we i don't think i've ever tweeted that out but i've had that thought so yeah that's like the scene where they're just sitting on the box just kind of like looking up at the other 29 fan bases being like what and the yep. crowds just waving <laughs> their hands like that's a really good jake graphs needs to like somehow edit that video and put like Crunch's face on <laughs> yes <Eminem. laughs>
1: yes uh, okay, and then get to know them. Question number three here, and then we'll dive into some actual uh, current events circling around the Timberwolves. Uh, what is your hot? And maybe this is a segue. What is your hottest Timberwolves take right now?
2: Uh, uh, it, it, it's it's not so much as a prediction as it's what I would do. Um, but everyone likes to point that last season when they won you know forty six games or whatever there was all these ancillary things that came into play. Everyone else had more injuries. Everyone else had more COVID, all this stuff. And that the wolves weren't supposed to be there. Um, I'm in the, I'm in the market of the window hasn't necessarily opened yet. Uh, So I would be down to like, if I had to offer this to you and we just shake hands, I would be down to take a step back this upcoming season. If it guaranteed you handshake agreement that they would take two and a half steps forward in the following year. Um, I think the West is getting really old. Like you go look at teams, all the teams that are projected to be in the top half of the West next year are all guys that have older players. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron, Damian Lillard, all these guys are older. So it's not so much of a take, but like I had so much fun. I was back for all those playoff games. It was the best season probably of my life, but I'm also okay. Like going back into the plan for a year, if it meant two and like two or, you know, next season, it's two and a half steps. So not just two, but two and a half steps, because I think they're a, a year away from really contending for that top four seed, And that's what they
1: really want. That's interesting. There's, there's a lot that we can, and I'm, there's, there's a full episode at some point here yeah. during the, uh, the thirsty weeks, as you call them about next summer. And maybe some of these questions are going to be answered. I mean, they Between probably the will week, in yeah. the next two weeks, but you might have fit. If you want, you could have 50 or $60 million in cap space somewhere in that neighborhood before the Anthony Edwards max deal kicks in Mm -hmm. uh, before towns super max kicks in, which isn't going to be for two more seasons. But to your point about the Western conference, let the warriors kind of finish out their thing here with a bunch of, bunch of dudes in their early to mid thirties. Let, uh, let LeBron just, you know, they weren't really a factor last year, but let LeBron get to be 40 years old and, you know, I don't know, maybe migrate back to the Eastern conference or something. Um, I'm curious to see, there's some teams in and around where the Timberwolves were in that playing range that are wild cards. What does Dallas do a couple of rungs up? What how high do the Pelicans climb if if Zion's going to be healthy? There's only like two or three teams you would look at in the West. The Rockets. Maybe, maybe not even that. Maybe there's there might be two teams that are truly going to be terrible that you can say right now that are are just actively in rebuild mode. And it almost feels like everyone else is either contending or trying like hell. I mean, the Kings, you can laugh at the Kings, but the the Kings have young talent and the Kings Mm -hmm. are sort of feisty. So there's not that many pushovers and there's going to be like, if if Damian Lillard has a running mate and he's healthy, maybe he's not the same guy as he was five years ago, but that's a team you have to deal with now that you really didn't in 2021, 22. It's interesting.
2: Yeah. And I just, I just, again, like, even like we don't know what's going to happen with the Suns, right? Like a year from now, Chris Paul is going to be, I think almost 38. So, I know we like to – well, that's one thing we always like to do, and this goes back to Wolf's scar tissues. We just love when the season resets to just list off all the teams that are going to be better than them. But, I mean, there's a case that just – and Finch talked about this earlier this week, like internal development might be all you need. Like, yeah, I don't want to necessarily run it back 100% of the same roster and bring back Jake Lehman, but just having, like, that internal growth year, I mean, it's kind of what Memphis did last year. They made one trade, they swapped centers, and then they just – hey, can everyone just get better? And then mm-hmm. they all got better and they made their their leap. So, yeah, that would be my take. It's just patience. I know Carlton Town seems like he's been here for 40 years, but he's 26. Like he's going to be signed for six, seven more years now with that max extension. So patience, I guess my hot take is patience, which I know doesn't drive everyone's attention. But um, I think they're one year away from really being like a big time player, a top 10 team in the league.
1: I feel like preaching level-headedness is a hot take in 2022 (laughs) sports media. Um, So mine's a little spicier in that I think in the end, 10 years from now, I think Anthony Edwards will challenge Kevin Garnett as the best player in franchise history. I think you're going to see a deep playoff run or five, just the the position. KG played the perfect position for the era that he was in. Mm -hmm. Big men dominated the game more in the late 90s, early 2000s. Ant plays the perfect position and has the perfect skill set for this version of the NBA, and I think that's a good. Like too much is being made of like, and I'm probably guilty of this too. Who's the Batman and who's the Robin? But I think as this team morphs more into knowing how to maximize Anthony Edwards' skill sets, him growing into the peak version of his skill sets, and just his personality, I think organically he will just be the guy that drives this thing, and then Cat can kind of slide in there almost like pouted for Kobe or like uh you know like a Chris Bosch multi-talented yep, player yep. under great wing players in Miami. So I th- I think that's what the next 10 years could look like with ant rivaling KG as the greatest player in franchise history.
2: And I think if listening to that, you're probably thinking that's a crazy take. But and again Kevin Garnett's like the whole reason I'm here. Probably the same for you. Um, but it's not like the six, like if Ant did make a Western or a, yeah, like a Western conference finals in the next five or six years, like he would already kind of have the, um, you know, he wouldn't have a ring. Kevin Garnett didn't have a ring in Minnesota, but he would already have like the, the achievements, right. That Garnett had. And then you mix in the personality thing, which is Garnett was fun too, but like Ant is unmatched. And then he's just going to. He's gonna continue to hit all those statistics, right? He's already flying up the stat he might already be like in the top 20 of three pointers made for the wolves, which is like awesome and also simultaneously depressing. Um, so that's a that's a good one. It would it would have to be success based though. It'd have to be like, can you take this team, like you said, Batman, Robin, whatever, to like a couple, you know, second and third rounds. Um, that's a really good one, though. I've never thought of that, even when like I'm deep into like walk i have that dude i'm i'm drinking the that, color, that was really
1: good <laughs> I, th- I i just i i think he's amazing i love his person i think he's a great actor like we like, for finding that he's just a great actor fantastic. now too like okay
2: and i think if um i mean he'll have his rookie extension maybe eligible next year but also if he just is loyal i mean he does and everything is being built around him and they have a really good infrastructure and you know maybe a new stadium down the road and all that stuff but uh if he shows that he wants to stay and he like wants to because at some point, Anthony Edwards, this is way down the road, but he's going to be in the recruitment level, right? Like, he, if you're a superstar, you're going to start to have that gravitational pull. Um, and if he pulls, uh, you know, three years from now, whoever, if he brings, I don't know, at that time, Chet Holmgren to Minnesota or something, and Chet's, you know, wow, look
1: looking to this. go back home, that uh, – that would be something just living the lifestyle right now you just put chet holmgren with uh, with anthony edwards in five years from now it's great no no
2: hate towards walker kessler but uh no i just that's a good one i think i think the the runway is there right like he is knock on wood stays healthy um he has all the tools he has the personality he really again i always say he like saved my fandom he saved the franchise his everything about him just makes sense um and then you saw it leak over into an adam sandler movie like uh, I was watching happy Gilmore the other day and I was like, man, you forget how good those old Adam Sandler movies are. And then they really nose dived, but I mean, aunt saved Adam Sandler's career. So KG kind of
1: was, was a part of that too. Uncut that gems. KG
2: actually saved Adam Sandler's career first. Cause uncut gems was the first upswing again after oh. just Grown Ups after ups. Um, Got yeah,
1: really bad. <laughs> Sandler just taking fifteen million dollar checks to cut terrible rom coms for for twelve or fifteen years. Like, hey,
2: would you like fifteen million to go to Hawaii with your six best friends and we'll film a little bit? It's
1: like ah, uh, yeah, I'm not on the live tour that weekend, so I can. Make that <laughs> work. Uh, let's let's get into a couple things from just the Wolves news cycle here. Right. Uh, I'll throw one out quick and then let's get to the the main event here. Torian Prince is back on a two year sixteen million dollar contract. You good with that?
2: Yeah, favorite non like young core player um I was at media day last year uh he talked about his struggles last summer about like ankle surgery not being able to walk when he like went to the bathroom at night type thing like he just seems like a really down-to-earth guy um and by all accounts his teammates love him Patrick Beverly is like the culture guy but Torian Prince is like his VP that maybe not as outspoken um and again I I tweeted this yesterday but thought maybe he would go into free agency just to kind of see what it's about but he took a pretty team-friendly deal. I mean, $8 million a year, second year is not guaranteed, um, fully guaranteed. So I'm a big fan. He's going to have a big role because they don't have a lot of wings right now that are a little bigger that can guard and shoot.
1: I thought he was gone, too. I'm actually I did too, yeah. kind of surprised that, that this happened, pleasantly surprised. Um, the other thing, that it's, it's not really news, but it's just an interesting thing. We're going to play a clip here. So Chris Finch, unprompted at his press conference yesterday, was talking about the young nucleus of players and, you know, the, the biggest thing that's going to get us to go from here to here in the Western Conference is the development of our young core. And he mentions Ant and Jaden and Jalen. And there was a follow-up question. Someone said, wait a second, you said, you said Jalen? As in Jalen Noel? And this is what he said. He's an X-Factor. He's a game changer. I think everybody needs that. He has the ability to create his own basket.
2: He has the ability to attack switching. He's actually an underrated playmaker. Um, his defense improved uh, quite a bit from the year before when I came here.
1: Uh, particularly, his fouling rate had dropped, which was most important. Uh, it's just a, this opportunity. We have a lot of depth, and uh, thankfully, he was there to play when we had injuries to uh, or absences for COVID or
2: whatever. Um, but now it's you know we're trying to figure out how to get a role, a more consistent role for him, uh, and we want him to feel as a part of. As a part of that, our young core, as you know, anybody else that's here. So,
1: now I will say, I think my my spidey sense tells me ten percent of Chris Finch's comment there is eh, Jalen Noel is a little chap that he played one game in the in the Memphis series, and <laughs> it's, a, it's a little damage control with one of our young guys, just twenty four mm-hmm. years old. But ninety percent, I think he's just being honest. And I, dude, Jalen Noel is one of my favorite players on this team. And if you want to do a dive into some of the analytics, um, which I know we both will nerd out on on this show going forward, if you rank all 15 players that played in at least don't there there's three guys that played in like a game or two. But the 15 guys that actually got rotational time for the Wolves last year, Jalen Noel was fifth in win shares per 48 and he was fifth in player efficiency rating per 36 minutes, 19 points, five rebounds, five assists. And if you look at his slashes, he can score from pretty much anywhere. He can shoot threes at a 40 percent clip he can make free throws he can kind of come into the game and just all right the offense is stagnant so i'm just going to run things for 8 minutes and you know get us 11 quick points i would love to see him play 20 25 minutes a night the question is with the current roster construction torian prince is back and malik beasley as of today is still under contract and right. pat bev you know where do you find the extra 10 minutes but i would almost kind of start there i like this guy deserves to me to play 20 plus minutes a night and then sort of figure out what the puzzle looks like around him or just trade Malik Beasley and free up some space. What did you think of those comments? Well, I mean, uh,
2: also too Dane Moore, our friend, like he did a pretty good pot on this too. And he, I mean, he's as plugged in as anyone. And he was like, I have to do an emergency podcast because that was, I mean, that, those comments were so out of left field. Yeah. Um, because it's easy to just be like, yeah, Ant and Jaden are the young core and Carl and Dilo are the current core or whatever. Um, you don't really need to talk about the guy, even if he was miffed, about his lack of playing time because he's on like the cheapest contract in the league. He doesn't have a lot of leverage. So, and he's on a weird deal that like the wolves just keep having a lot of leverage over him. So there was no reason to bring him up and Finch did it anyway. And I think that's super telling. I also thought too, to steal from our colleague, uh, Doogie Wolfson, Like when he made a Tyler hero comp, it blew my mind because it's like, there's a lot of things that you can separate those two, but they also, I mean, I don't know if it's because um, Jalen's from the Seattle area, but he's just one of those like instant bucket guys, right? Like he just is Jamal Crawford in a sense. He is one of those guards that just comes off the bench and gives you 14 in a night. So, and he also can dribble and the wolves don't (laughs) necessarily have a lot of those guys. (laughs) Um, But no, I think that, I think that's really telling because um, he, when, when I was getting ready for the draft, I was thinking like the wolves. And the reason I didn't want to do like a, draft pick for Christian Wood trade is because I didn't think the Wolves had enough young talent like we think Ant we think Jaden but then it's like we don't really know what Balmero is and then at that time it's like Jalen and Nas are on expiring deals like they might be gone so I was like we got to draft someone but for Finch to say what he does I'm with you on that 10% but I also think Finch just doesn't really BS a lot I think he's just like Mm -hmm. I like this guy and we're gonna find a way to play him so it does probably mean that Beasley's gonna be moved at some point they don't they're not the same guy. Jalen's not really a spot up shooter, but uh, he was awesome last year. Like he came in so many times and gave them spot minutes at like the guard, and he can make plays for others. So I also just love Jalen Noel, well, and I think yeah. you do too.
1: Well, how much? There's so many things that that could happen in the next 48 hours or in the next yeah, two weeks, yeah. and, and we're going to have a lot of these questions answered. But let let's just say for fun that they don't really do anything. That they 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 look at this thing and say, all right, well, let's we can kind of mend this with D'Lo. D'Lo is a little chapped and he's, mm-hmm. he made a little passive aggressive comment about the un, the uncertain nature of the NBA. And like, he kind of knows he's not going to get an extension almost certainly from the Wolves. And But, but let's say they, they look at the roster and say, all right, we don't want to give up two or three first round picks for DeJounte Murray. Now, right. we've already exhausted the, the Clint Capella and Rudy Gobert conversations, which led, led, I think, I think, I don't think they draft Walker Kessler if they're still in on Rudy Gobert. I think, I think they they probably had those conversations. I do believe the reports. Let's say they have all the conversations and ultimately, you know what? We just, we'd like to keep some flexibility for next summer. And our improvement is going to come from within, from the young core getting better. How much better do you think the Wolves can get in 2022-23 with the current nucleus and mostly intact roster just growing?
2: Well, it's like the not sexy thing, right? Like, cause you just, you can't really, you can like measure trades you can see woge bombs like all that stuff but you can't really like unless ants putting videos of him working out you don't really see the internal growth but i go back to like there's way too many memphis comps but a lot of them make sense like memphis just didn't do a lot they swapped out you know valanchunas for steven adams and then jaw just got better desmond bain got better um they had in all those nba awards like their coach was in coach of the year like they had three guys in the top 10 of like most improved um with jaron jackson so I think if they just organically get better and everyone's I'm also a big like vibes guy. Um, so just like if the vibes are really good and Carl's getting paid. Yeah. The deal thing will work itself out. But I also think he might play ball a little more just because he doesn't have a lot of leverage. He can't, he's not James Harden. Like he can't get really grumpy and force his way out. Cause he knows next year he's probably going to get paid. But if he's really difficult to, be with like other teams will know that. So I think they can just organically get better. Maybe do a Beasley for a big, like go find some power forward that makes 14 million for a year. Um, And then they can get back to like sniffing 50 wins. Like I think they can, I think they can match last year's production if not more by just having Ant have the ball more. And Jaden, you have to give us more than nine and four game. You have to give us 12 and six or 12 and seven. So I think they can match last year's output by just doing what they're doing and injecting more of the youth into the roster and giving those guys more opportunities.
1: And that's kind of the silver lining too. If that's what happens, like I I've had some Wolves fans push back on that because we we talked about this on Mackie and Judd a couple days yeah. ago. So what if what if they kind of stand pat? How how would you guys feel about that? And a lot of fans said, No, look at look at what the Vikings have done and and you know, look at other teams in the West that might get better. The Vikings comparison to me is kind of fascinating because they're running it back the last 3 years with a bunch of dudes who are 30 years old, 32, right, 34, right. core player, like they got linebackers who are 30 and a quarterback who's just kind of been the same guy for the 10 years he's been in the NFL and and they're hoping that coaching can elevate an, an older group of I think overall it's a pretty young roster, offensive line is young, but my point is they're running it back without a lot of upside other than scheme and coaching, which might work too. Mm-hmm. But with the Timberwolves, they've got and, and you got, you know, we're talking about fifteen man rosters in the NBA where if Anthony Edwards takes a big step forward, it's a lot more impactful than if one of your fifty-three guys on a football roster takes one big step forward. If Ant takes a big step forward and Jaden takes a big step forward and Jalen Noel gets more more minutes and they are, you know, efficient minutes that replace inefficient Malik Beasley, all of a sudden you're talking five, eight. Whatever more wins without any major roster shakeups,
2: and and again that goes back to my my take right like, um just being patient. I know we've tasted success. Playoff basketball at Target Center was just euphoric, um but like Jalen Wall's twenty two, Jaden's twenty one, Ant's twenty, Balmero we don't know but he's twenty one. Nas Reed is going to be back here again. He's twenty two, and then you got those three rookies who are all twenty. Like there's just all of a sudden there's so much youth that it's like. UPS truck. There's so much youth that you're like, wait. A that's second, that's maybe... actually the Brink.
1: That's the Brinks truck yes. backing up to Carl Anthony Towns right
2: now. <laughs> yep, there it is. So I just think I went from like a little concerned about the youth to like, oh wait, Jalen's going to be part of this. Yes, um, they just want to give more reps to the young guys. Like the patience thing. Like, yes, you have an all NBA player, but he seems content here. He's going to sign up to basically play out his career here. If you know, if there's no trades down the road. So. um yeah, I think they can just organically get better. And also, too, like this doesn't just relo- resolve or resolve basketball, but you watch this at the baseball or football. Like there is a notion, too, to when older guys get paid, they might go work out one less day a week, right? Like once you kind of secure that contract, you're a little older, like maybe you don't have as much motivation or you're not focused on the grind. Um, having guys like Jalen around that are still playing for a contract, giving him more opportunities might just be a really good thing to just keep them motivated yeah. to keep them hungry so i'm with I also you on think, that i think
1: like in the nba guys are i don't know if guys are more self-conscious but they 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 hear charles barkley on thursday yes, they they are they're 100%. on their tiktok instagram and twitter feeds reading yep. the comments and yep. whether they make 47 million dollars on a supermax or or whatever they're i think their nba players are more guided by ego and wanting to live up to you know, expectations and rings like James Harden has heard all the fat jokes for two years. <laughs> yeah, well, look yeah. at the videos that are out there now of him running yeah. up these 45 degree angle steps and showing you, ah, I got a six pack now. So, um, yes, I think if they don't do anything substantial, there's a lot of hope for how they could grow internally. But on the flip side, I'm going to throw a scenario at you. Reckless okay. speculation. Like to engage in a little reckless speculation among friends here on Score North. So, um, and I'll, 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 put this out to the audience too. If you guys have random trade ideas, we will entertain 100%. them on the show. Yeah. You know, Fill just, up our mentions float, float them to us on Twitter. Uh, you can always hit us up too through the score North app. There's a feedback. We, we incorporate listener feedback all the time on, on Mackie and Joe. We can do the same thing here on, on uh, flagrant Howls. So this is from listener, Tyler Anderson, who sends this in via the score North app. Would you trade for Dejounte Murray? So you'd be getting two years of Deshante Murray at like 17 million this year, 17, 18 next year. All-star, 19, 20 points. Basically averages a triple-double. Malik Beasley, a first-round pick in 2024, 26, and 28. And Jade McDaniels. In, In this scenario, I guess you would... Keep D'Angelo Russell or float him somewhere else? I don't know what happens with D'Angelo in this trade scenario from Tyler Anderson, but would you? I guess here's my question Would you include multiple first round picks and Jaden McDaniels in a trade for DeJounte Murray? Uh, well,
2: anyone who knows my brand knows my love for Jaden, yep. but um, I think my whole thing on Murray just in general. So to answer your question directly, no. My whole thing on Murray in general is no. Um, if you went and got DeJounte Murray, and I'm higher on DeAndre Russell than probably most, but those two aren't going to be on the same team. You just can't because my number one goal going back to takes, my number one demand for this next season is that Ant starts at the two and Jaden starts at the three. Like if those guys are your core pillars of whatever foundation you're building, like they should probably play the position that they were born to play. Um, and I don't really love Jaden at the four. So does Murray fit alongside Ant? Like, Beautifully. Yeah. Zach Lowe talked about it up and down on his podcast, but he also brought up a point that I hadn't thought of. Uh, Murray's on a good contract a couple more years, but then he's going to want to max. Um, so, in addition to that max, you also, if you give up three, those three first 24, 26, 28, you also can't trade any picks in between there unless it's like on draft night. So, you kind of like hamstring yourself to like, we can't ever be at the trade deadline and we're sniffing 58 wins or we're trying to make a battle for the three seed. And float a first round pick because you can't do that because of the stipian rule. So um, I'm out on that. Even though I like Murray a lot, I just I want to go back to the organic growth thing. I think having all your picks is really valuable, and I don't think Dejounte Murray, who's good, is worth like 250 million, three firsts, and the inability to do yeah. anything else this decade.
1: I think what it so I I would not. I would not include. I would not trade three first round picks and Jay McDaniel's. That's too much. That's too many future assets. Right, right. For Dejounte Murray, if there was a way to acquire the, God, the the three first round picks is tough. Uh, it's I think so much. I, I think Zach Lowe used the the Drew Holiday trade from a few years ago as kind of a, 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 just a starting point for the discussion too. And that was, if I remember, two first round picks. Maybe they were top three protected, but they were two first round picks and then two pick swaps. So yeah. it was yeah. in, increase your, uh, just your, your place in the first round. But if there was a way to trade two or three first round picks, keep Jade McDaniels. So now I, I'm less concerned about future assets because I've got a bunch on my team. And I'm also intrigued by the fact that Dejounte Murray, I think at age 25, I think there's still like another level really or two that, that yeah. you can get to. Could he, could he become a better shooter? Probably D'Lo I mean, I think the audience knows my stance on D'Lo, which is very good player. They don't win 46 games without him, yeah. and thank you for your service. Much better fit here the last two years, three years, than Andrew Wiggins would have been. So it was a good trade. They They got back to the playoffs. I don't think he is at $30 million if they were to extend him, which I don't think they will. I don't think he's the guy that gets you to 55. I right. think it's thank you for getting the Wolves to this level. But at some point, I, I just I can't have him disappearing in a playoff series too. By the way, he shoots like thirty three percent in the ten or eleven playoff games he's played. Small sample size, but right. why is he why is he shrinking in ten or eleven career playoff games? You know, so I'm okay if they ride it out one more year with him and they decide that just having that money come off the books is the best decision. I'm fine with that. Um, yeah. But if I can get Jante Murray without giving up Jaden McDaniels, I'm very very interested. And the Drew Holiday thing, like last note on that, it, it's it's not necessarily
2: apples and oranges, but like they also needed to make sure they made a move at that time. They knew Giannis was a super duper yes. star, but they needed to keep him happy. The wolves aren't necessarily, I mean, the wolves aren't the bucks yet, right? Like we know ants really good, but I think I need one more year to see ant is like top 20 in the league. And the ant signs that rookie extension. No one ever turns that down, but like I need ant to be here for six more years before I'm going to essentially trade all those picks for that six years because I know Ant's here. So it's probably a deal that next year I would think more about. But right now, it's just like, again, patience. Like, let's just try to let the, you know, if we're making a stew, right? Let's just let it sit on the crock stove for another hour. Let's yeah, us we'll crock it here. up yeah. for one more hour. And then let's let's look at it in 2023.
1: The You know, the I think the Pelicans are in the air fryer right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, yeah. The, the the Warriors have been simmering on the top of the stove. Wolves in the crock pot. Just and the Lakers the have expired. We should probably throw those out. Yeah, it's just uh, there's lumps in the, in the carton. <laughs> For them, so uh, all right, we, we could talk for like two more hours, but we're there's going to be a lot of things that happen in the coming days. Yep. So you and I are going to go enjoy some uh, adult beverages over the weekend, see what happens, and come back next week. I'm excited, yeah, this is going to be man. fun.
2: This is going to be a really fun podcast. So uh, subscribe, rate, review, um, and
1: we'll uh, we'll be back next week. Yeah, and uh, you can hit us up in the YouTube comment section. You can tweet at us, uh, and um, we'll incorporate. We want this to be interactive. This is mm-hmm. this is a a wolf's lifestyle that we all live here, a tortured one but hopefully on the way up. So thanks for hanging out with us here
0: and uh, we'll see you next time on Flagrant Howls. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability. Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time, and clearly he's not ready to hang up the cleats.